to us. Um, I'm delighted to be here again with you um, from my deep sea submersible. I'm always coming to you from a different place. I know Martha is too. We like to make it interesting. Um, you are listening to the Rock Star Biography Podcast. It's the only podcast where um, really you can count on two people thoroughly explaining the history of all of rock music in any adequate way, I think. I say that with authority, speaking for myself. My name's Christian Overfield, and I'm joined, as always, by my delightful um, co-host. Martha Guzman. Martha Guzman. She's back. She showed up again. You never know. I did. <laughs> but she showed up again, and I'm thrilled. Um, I've been, um, you know, let down so often, and I appreciate that you haven't done that to me so far. You've kept this partnership firm. Okay. Aww, yeah. Christian. But we're not like Wham, where we just split up after one. No. You know, about after one hit. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, they had many hits. They had many hits. They had they had many hits. George wrote many hits. Yes, many. That's right. That Andrew was in the room for when they were recorded. <laughs> well, today um, we're we're back and uh, we're going to cover more musical terrain. Um, uh, I, I liken us. I know uh, Martha doesn't like the analogy that we're the Guy Fieri. So maybe think of us. I guess if you need to, as like the Anthony Bourdains. Is that better, Martha? Oh, A little yeah. more. Loved Anthony Bourdain. Yes, I miss him. But hopefully, we'll just have uh, people respect our opinions as they should, as much as they did Anthony's. Today, we are going to be discussing Face It by Debbie Harry of the very famous band Blondie. This book was published, I think, last year, maybe even this year. No, last year. Yeah, 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay. What was your experience, take, overall impression, like, feeling, dislike, attitude towards her book, Face I thought it was kind of light. I don't know how better to describe what my impression of it was other than that. I felt that there wasn't, I mean, I learned a lot of things about her that I didn't know about her before, uh, but I, I didn't as has been the case with some of our other books that we've read, I, I felt that there was a lot that maybe wasn't said uh, and that certain things were just kind of glazed over. Uh, she does say in the book that she is a private person. So I, maybe that's part of the reason that I, I, there wasn't... Um, I mean, certain things are revealed in a lot of detail, but then there's a lot that I felt wasn't necessarily discussed. You know, what was really, what I found to be very curious was all the drawings of herself that she included. And at, in a way, you know, it's fan, fan art of, of her that she, that she included in the book. And in a way, that sort of made it seem almost like a scrapbook. <laughs> I don't know. It did. Even, even some of the images that, she, that are included. You know, there's like drawings and photographs and things like that in the book. And it, uh, I think she was going sort of, or, 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 you know, both she and the publisher or editors, I don't know, were going sort of for this arty 
book maybe, but it didn't, it didn't strike me as such. It almost felt like this could have been more of a coffee table mm, book. Uh, yeah, exactly. My words, exactly. You said them first, however. Oh, uh, well, great minds okay. think alike. Great minds think alike, Christian. <laughs> um, and, and I really, it, it sort of felt that way to me. And so it felt kind of something that you could have just like page through like oh that's an interesting little fact oh that's interesting oh look more pictures oh look at this picture with some drawings on it i mean it felt it felt <laughs> kind of it felt kind of light you know and it uh-huh. felt again like a scrapbook in mm. a way uh you know it was it was really curious to how she talks about her looks so much yeah oh, yes just a little and you know and granted I, I think she's a beautiful woman you know i think she was a looker when she was in her, you know, she was younger too. I mean, she's still a beautiful woman, you know, today, but it was interesting how fixated she is on, on her appearance. Um, she seemed to really talk about that almost in every chapter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, and again, there's, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging the fact that yes, she's just a beautiful woman and certainly her looks, I'm sure helped her along the way, but it was almost a bit of a fixation. I thought, you know, with her, with her looks, uh, that was, and, and, you know, she never really talks again, like others haven't, she doesn't really talk a lot about the details that you want to hear. For instance, like when her and Chris break up, you know, they've been, this has been not just a, <laughs> a romantic partnership, but a big musical partnership. And it's just like, yeah. And then we broke up. Right. She okay, gives you well, zero insight right. into, into the fact that they had any problems whatsoever up until that sentence. Occurs yes. Yes. Up until that point, you think like, wow, they're, they're, they're kind of a strong pair. You know, they've, they've been through so much up so many ups and downs together and they really seem to be, I mean, obviously I knew that they'd broken up. I mean, if, if you followed her in any way or you know about her, you knew that they'd broken up, but it's sort of, I was surprised. I thought, what? What do you mean they broke up? What, well, how did right. that happen? Or why? She never lets you in on their relationship, which I can understand. You want some privacy there or whatnot, but you are writing a memoir. So let us in into what caused the breakup. I mean, I guess you could sort of, you know, there was a lot of drug use again, as there have been in other books. And so I'm sure that played a role in it as well, but you're never really let in. So there were a lot of things where you're just not, again, given a whole lot of detail. And then all of a sudden there's this situation where it just seems to have come out of the blue. So I thought it was okay. I didn't, um, I felt that it lacked a bit of depth, you know, and it didn't really, yeah, it, again, I, I feel like it could have just been a coffee table book and not yeah. a memoir or to be labeled as such. And in fact, I believe that even, I believe that at the, at some, I think before the beginning of the book, there is mention of the fact that the book was, con- it was created both by she wrote some things, but it, there was also interviews prior to right. the publication mm-hmm. of the book. So I guess maybe some of those interviews were turned into I'm not this, sure. but then it's not really an autobiography or, you know, maybe it should have just been an authorized biography or something. I don't know. It, so, yeah, it, it was okay. <laughs> I, okay. I, I agree with everything you said. I think you're being actually very generous personally. Uh, to say it was light is is kind. It felt like an outline. Um, she would describe an event, and and I would wait for her then to explain what it was. And then you realize, oh no, that was it. That single sentence of her saying that was the event would be the sum total of all that you got as right. the reader. It's it. I, I personally responded to the 
Um, as a, as a tactile object, it's certainly the coolest book you know we've read. It 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 is a coffee table book though. Um, I didn't. I, I liked the design elements. I liked all of those things, but I do think that that interfered with how I, I went about absorbing the material. Me too. Because, because most coffee table books, like I have a, a Ringo Starr book, right? And it's just, and it's got his personal photographs. And he's got maybe just one paragraph about each photograph, and that's it. And really, this book was sort of that, um, just maybe slightly thicker, but it never got any deeper than that surface. And I have to say, that's the this is what she chose to put out there, and I feel like this is ultimately representative of her. And I came away thinking that this person seemed, for all the richness of the people that she knew, the scene yes. from, from which she sprang, the quantity of artists around whom she was spending her time, from Basquiat to seeing Janis Joplin. And you know what? Unlike others we've read about who only got to see David Bowie you know, on the great mountaintop heights, she's hanging out with David Bowie. I mean, just on, on daily on a daily basis, going on tour with him, she gets to know Iggy Pop. Of all the people we've read about so far, she got to know these people in a yes. way that all the rest could only sort of tangentially get near. And for all of that, it, she just seemed to incredibly uninteresting. And yes. I, and I thought I thought that somebody who go she just went around preening about how obnoxious and she seemed to think that what she was saying all the time was really surprising and shocking and it really wasn't it was what was shocking was just how poorly she conveyed any of these stories or made herself seem i just got the impression she was sort of a a hood ornament for the late 70s and she just the her i guess calling card of the one great thing she can get to say is she did have uh, good taste enough to immerse herself um, around those people which took a kind of courage, you know, you and I have talked about, um, how I think you were, you were more rebellious, I guess, or more, um, less afraid and willing to do things that I was. And so I certainly can't take away from her that she immersed herself and found that world and really steeped herself in it. But despite all of that, this, I mean, a, some product is she literally has a Barbie doll of herself in existence. And I really think, got the impression you don't seem a whole lot deeper than that. I mean, and by the way, if that's the conclusion I'm reaching, I don't know how that's my fault. You chose to put this out there. This is the sum total of what you wrote about yourself. And you conclude the book by saying, oh, I'm not a, I'm a very private person. I don't like to talk about anything. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> this is sort of, again, a bait and switch. No one's forcing you to do this. And this is what, in fact, you, you chose to do and to talk about. Um, it also, the experience made me feel and think differently of the Chrissy Hine book, I have to say. Um, I'm not suggesting anybody live their life like Chrissy Hine does or that she made the smartest decisions. But, you know, her that experience and the way in which she related it was hardcore. I mean, authentic and poof, wow, it was intense. Right. And I felt like this was a, uh, a, a, a thin a thin watered down version of that. And I don't know that that's necessarily the truth. For instance, she talks about, I'm sure you had the same react or a reaction to being, um, and again, I, I had a, boy, was, I, I have a lot to say as a result of reading the book, but I, I really didn't like it at all. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody ever. Um, I would recommend that just listen to what we're talking about and take, you know what I mean, those notes away. Neither would I actually, Christian. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. I but, really wouldn't. 
she talks about the scene, I guess, for lack of a better word, she de- I can't even say she details. It's just a, a, a rough outline of uh, being violated. She's raped, okay? Yes. And the way in which she tells that story was so odd. And again, I'm not anybody who's had that one of the worst horrors a person can experience and unique to women, right? I, I have no say in how it is that person feels or wants to talk about that experience. Right. I totally get that. But it was so flat and so odd. She And even the, it was kind of crass the way she explains it. And she writes, and then he fucked me. And the whole thing was written in this very high school English composition manner. You know, well, she would say things like, I really, I loved sex. I loved this. I really liked that. It just felt like a, a, a thin homework assignment. She just couldn't be bothered to, to do the work for it. and say what you will about Morris's book. You know, I mean, that, that guy spent time crafting those sentences. You know, that was a product like it or love it. You know, and he put time in and the work in, I got no sense of work at all. Well, the, the thing I just could understand was that she then says that what was even worse than the rape itself was the fact that Chris's guitars had been stolen. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And I just I could Odd. not wrap I could not wrap my head around that. The therapist could do a lot with that. <laughs> I mean I, like I said, I, I, I honestly I couldn't wrap my head around that. She makes another really bizarre I, I got as the book wore on, the more weary I got to read it and the more honestly I just didn't like this is the first time where I felt like I didn't like the person, quite frankly, or felt like, ah, oof, I don't know that I'd want to at a dinner table of interesting people. I, I don't, I don't want to be sat next to this one. Um, she has a very, uh, there's another portion of the book where she's describing the Challenger explosion. And it's so odd the way she writes, we were watching it live and then it exploded and oh no, oh no, oh God, this was a terrible way to start recording of our new album. And I just thought these were the oddest ways of expressing herself. It was very, um, a little juvenile. It uh, uh, just, I, I, I hate to use the word inappropriate, so I won't, but it had that tone of, are you showing up for this or are you not? I, I, I don't know. Yes. If this is who you are, I really don't understand you. Um, she had a habit of, she kept using the phrase for having sex with guys. She would she, she say, um, I made it with him. Right. And I, it's possible this person seemed just completely stuck in a late seventies, early eighty sort of era and headspace, and the juxtaposition of kind of now with that terminology, maybe that's the oddness that I was never able to reconcile. Um, and as the book wore on, I think the last fifty pages, she just keeps uh, repeating how punk she is, yes. how hard how hard she is. And I'm like, you know what? Anybody who has to say that yes, over and over too, again Christian. is that was, not that punk. You that's know? what I kept thinking too. Yeah. I kept thinking that the entire time as I read that, I thought, you've been saying this so much. Like, uh-huh. okay, we get it. We get it. And, you know, going back to Christy Hind, I know that book was, for me personally, it was, it was challenging to read. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Chrissy Hind is punk. 
And not no once, doubt. And not once did she say she yeah, was punk. That's right. She earned those stripes. She earned Boy, those stripes. Boy, did she! She is punk rock all the way. And but yeah, I I found that too with with Debbie, with Debbie's recounting of everything. And you know, I found that that was another repetitive. Thing, the whole punk thing and the I'm so beautiful thing. And, right. and again, you know, she is a beautiful woman. We all know that. I mean, she was hot, you know, back in the day. My gosh, you know, but, but you don't have to say it. We all know that. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to convince us of that. Um, so yeah, it was, it just, I, I have to be really honest. This book was really difficult for me to get through, not because it was challenging in the way that maybe Chrissy's was or because I thought, oh my gosh, there's it's just such a long book. It was just difficult to get through because I wanted to stop reading it. Yeah. Uh I, I didn't I didn't connect with her um, at all. That's at a great all. way of putting it. Yeah. You know, I, guess. I didn't connect and ever. There there was no you know, and some of these other books that we've read, even though these their lives are obviously so different from ours, you know, I, I, there's been some level of connection in one way or the other, even if it's a very, very small way. But there has been some connection, or at least I, I get into someone's head a little bit where I'm able to understand them. And I'm like, OK, I, I feel a little bit of a connection here. I, I can understand where they were coming from or whatever. But with her, I just never felt connected and i don't think it has anything to do with the fact that i'm not necessarily the biggest blondie fan no, like i yeah. said i'm you not know, a big wham fan but i love tantra's right yeah. right and so that's that's my point that she just never really made made a deep connection or there was nothing ever in it that really resonated with me and which is interesting because i i would have hoped to have you know at least just by a mere fact that she's a woman i thought maybe there'll be something here that will you know, and there were some things where, you know, when she talks about, um, how, you know, how it was tough, you know, back when she started to make it as, as a woman singer. And I could appreciate that, you know, it, it, and all of those sorts of things. But, but beyond that, it was just, it was just so light. And like you said, she got to meet so many Everybody. amazing people. Yeah, My gosh. Did. I mean, she does go in a little bit about Andy Warhol and, and, and that relationship with him, but, you are talking about a time in New York music and cultural history right. where there was such a vastness of, of, of richness in terms of what was being produced in every sense of the word. And you, you kind of just like, she just kind of skims through it, you know? Uh, like when she talks about, for instance, I've always been obsessed with Studio 54 and Max's Kansas City. Like, I just, I mean, those two places sure. to me are just like, tell yeah. me everything. I right. want to know everything. <laughs> and yet she worked there as a waitress. Mm -hmm. And she only shares that one story about Miles Davis when he's there right. with this mm -hmm. woman. And then she can understand why he's being seated where he is. And the woman does all the talking for him. Mm -hmm. and, but I wanted to, like, no. I actually like that because for oh, one yeah. second I got this, okay, well, I'll hang out with Miles Davis. At least. Right. He's no, interesting. no. And what I'm saying is that's cool <laughs> that he that she shares that story. Right, but, right. But give us point. more. Give us more of that, you know? Give mm -hmm. us give us more of what was going on at that place. I mean, that was the place, you know? And anyone who was, anyone was going to Max's Kansas City. And so it's like, you were you worked there. I'm sure you saw more than 
that. I'm sure that there was amazing people going in and out that you you got to hang out with or at least talk to or serve or whatever. What would they? What were they like? And right. you don't really get that. And you know no. the whole thing about her saying that she's a very private person. And and I agree with you, Christian. It's you're right. No one was forcing you to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. your music can speak for itself. You know, right. your music, oh. your your musical trajectory can speak for itself. You didn't have to write this book. And if you're gonna do it, just do it well, <laughs> you know, give us... By the way, this was the first book I've read where I never felt this person was passionate for music. Yes! Uh, yeah, it, it just seems yes! sort of she was in the scene. You never get... I mean, Chrissy Hines succeeded so wildly at just exuding how yes. deep, deeply steeped into the cells of her body. She was hungry to be near music and how much she loved it. And honestly, it gave me a lesson in, in music enthusiasm because as much as I love it and listen to it 23 hours of the day, this woman, I felt like really was on another level. Right. But we don't get any of that in this book. I don't no. feel like, in fact, she again, just casually states, oh, and then one day Chris and I wrote these seven songs. Seven right. of them. She never at all explains, by the way, and I'm just going to have to assume because I don't, I've just taken that stance or posture towards her and her book as, as a result of reading it, that her contribution seems to be she kind of showed up with some lyrics and Chris Stein did all the work. I came away wanting to know about Chris Stein. Me too. This book. Me he too. seems so interesting. I want to read his autobiography now. But he you know? seemed yes. like the real artist. It looked yes. almost like I came away from this. It, it's like this book made me feel like what would it be like if Kate Moss had a backing band? You know, that's who <laughs> Debbie Harry was back then. And she had a talented Chris Stein behind her. Um, and I want to learn more about him and how he composed yes. music. He seemed to be the passionate one about music, about art. And just today I saw, coincidentally, his book at a, at a record store. And it even looked cooler than hers, just from, <laughs> just from 10 feet away. <laughs> Right, we don't get any of that, and no, I, I don't, don't. I don't. I'm just don't even know what her contribution to the band was. I don't get the sense she, she even really loves music. I never came away with that feeling. Gosh, Christian, that is so true. You know, now that you mention it, I think that was also. I, I mean, yes, you're, you're so right about that because as I was reading it, I thought to myself, okay, so where is is the the drive, everyone else right. up until this point has had this oh, yeah. obsession with not just wanting to make it, but wanting to make music. Even if they didn't necessarily make it, they were just obsessed with making music. They just yeah. wanted to be in a band. They just no. wanted to make music. And with her, it's even when she starts Zero. Singing, right. You're so right <laughs> about that. It, it, it just, it just kind of hit me. You know, I, I, I was noticing that as I was reading, but you mentioning it just, it really hit me that not once do you feel, I mean, she talks about joining these groups, you know, like when she, when she first leaves home and she goes to New York and she's in a variety of, of groups and whatnot, but it's almost like she just happens to find herself being right. a part of a group, but not because she was necessarily looking for it because there was like this drive within her that was just obsessed. I mean, she talks more passionately about wrestling. Than yeah, she, she does. does. Than she does about music. That was my favorite part of the book. <laughs> right. Well, because she's so into it, you know, yeah, because yeah. she's so into it. And I thought to myself, maybe she should have become a female wrestler. She should have. You know, she should have been a wrestler instead of a musician because, or a singer because she certainly had more passion for it. She talks about it from the time she was a little girl. She was just obsessed with watching wrestling matches and she would go crazy pretending that she was a wrestler. And right. I'm thinking, 
okay, maybe that was her calling, right. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. not, and, yeah. not, and not fronting a band. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, yeah, it, it, again, it was, it was challenging for me to finish reading it. And there were many times throughout that I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, I just want to close this already and be done. Because I was just not, it, it just didn't resonate with me at, in any way. I never felt, and I think that's what, I think you nailed it when you said that, Christian. I think it comes down to the fact that you never really sense any passion in her. No, that's a great way of putting it. Zero passion. You know, you just don't. And if I'm going to be reading about about someone's life, I want to feel their passion. Yeah. I want to feel what what drives them. I want to feel what, you know, I want to take away something of that passion to add to my own life in a, in a bigger way too. You know what I mean? And like, how can I, how can I do that? How can I, I want to be inspired. I want to, yeah. but I wasn't inspired at all. I was just yeah. kind of like, okay, so now there's, oh, here we go. So now there's another picture of her that a fan drew. <laughs> you right. know? It was just kind of like. And you know what? My thought on those drawings, I, I had a mixed reaction to them. Uh, on the one hand, I did like that she kept them. Oh, that, me too. I thought that was so, nice, right. a nice gesture. If, but that's assuming that it, we take it at face value that those drawings mean something to her in the way that she states. But on the other hand, it, again, as you put it, another part of me just wondered, well, are, are you just obsessed and so in love with yourself? You kept every drawing of yourself. And that's what you're sharing with, with us now. And on top of that, as I'm looking at these drawings, which I appreciated, uh, a lot of them, I like the, the quote unquote bad ones the most um those are the most interesting to me. <laughs> right right but I, i'm looking at these and I, I and again because i felt so little passion from this woman i wondered about the fans like how what about this woman inspired you to sit down and spend hours yes. drawing her you know i mean i i, I think maybe you're mistaking chris stein's talent for hers <laughs> and you shouldn't be drawing him you know so i had i had mixed feelings about those drawings but and as to the lack of passion, by the end of the book, I really felt like this is somebody who just needed to make the page count limit. She goes on a digression that I, I thought maybe she thinks this makes her interesting. It just seemed odd. And a little. I was embarrassed for her a little bit. She discusses her quest for the perfect taste. And she's... Oh, yeah, my gosh. It was painful. Five or six pages. Yes. Yeah. That in her youth, she tasted something or had a, a notion of this flavor and she's been chasing it ever since. And and that wasn't interesting. It wasn't funny. It wasn't, it was, it's just sort of embarrassing to read. And then she, <laughs> it was, I, I, I really felt a little uncomfortable as I was reading it. But what thinking, about the what, thumbs, the thumbs well, chapter? Well, that's, that's part two. She writes a chapter, closes it on, well, I just want to end on a light note. I bet even even if a Dorito were reading your book, they'd say, oh, my God, there are no calories in this thing. None whatsoever. I, wish, she, she could, I wish Doritos didn't have calories. I need a bag a day if that there was were, the Yeah, there, there were... <laughs> there was more. Yeah, I'd be more interested in discussing like Doritos. As, I mean, oh, you know less, what? Less. I tell you, the, the Dorito is uh, is as, as fascinating as Debbie Harry turned out to be. It's just a, as a pop culture oh. object. That's really. I feel like that's all she's just become and allowed herself to be. Or that's. I certainly didn't come up with a different impression, despite her 
crazy story about how, you know how um punk she is did i mention that martha she's so <laughs> punk she concludes yeah, so the book at which again you can read it if you'd like it's cool put it on your coffee table Forgot for what. sure People think you're really not neat she concludes with this arbitrary chapter about thumbs and the different ways in which thumbs have played a role in history not interesting to me not clever not funny and i actually had to wonder like what editor out there did you find that didn't Interestingly enough, you're so punk. However, you clearly couldn't find an editor who wasn't willing to, to tell you, you know what, this is just crap. You know, you, you got to do better. You got you to show up. If you want us to show up and read it, you got to show up too. But reading about thumbs and your weird philosophy on plastic surgery and how, how it's like a flu shot, apparently, as long as it makes you feel better, it makes you look good, just do it. Uh, I, then we're, 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 no one's going to be that interested, you know? And um, I wasn't. She succeeded at making this to me completely uninteresting. And by the end of it all, I thought, wow, you've just sort of relegated yourself to being as radical as anything in a hot topic store. You know, <laughs> you, go to, you go to your concert wearing a, a jacket that says, stop fucking the planet. Like somehow that's radical right. or crazy or shocking people. Well, that's what, you know, when, when, with that, that photo at the end with her wearing that jacket, right. I thought to myself, come on, stop. Like you know, it's, 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 you're right. It's, it's one of those things where it's supposed to be shocking. It's supposed to be so hardcore and punk rock and, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not. really not. And Yes, I, I I felt the same. I yeah, this book was just very, very light, <laughs> very very it light. Was, yeah, it it. I think again, I think you're being uh, generous. The only I thought actually I was going to like it. It did. Uh, I had uh, some. I don't know if auspicious is the right word, but I didn't know. I'm sure you didn't either. That she was adopted. No, I did and not I, know that. And I thought actually the way in which she told that little story was somewhat poignant that she was the product of like an illegitimate love affair. Yes. And I thought that was sad. And I did too. But a- after that, it just it just dissolved. Like, and she does know, share sure. she does share how she has issues of abandonment as a result of that. That felt forced. Like, oh, I need a, a through. Can line. I tell you yeah. something that I, I felt similar to that, but then I thought to myself, well, there could be something to that. You know, it, it initially it did feel forced to me, but then when she talks, you know, about when she finally reaches out to family members or she right. discovers her family members and this whole right. thing, I thought, well, I could see where that would. She tells it in such an awkward, disjointed way. I, I had a hard time even understanding right. how to she d- it. Well, she does. She tells everything in that way. You know, yeah. everything is, is told yeah. in that sort of disjointed way. And, and it goes from one thing, you're, one minute you're reading about one thing, and next thing you're off to something else that's not related to what you were just reading about. And it's kind of all over the place, this, this book is. But I will tell you one thing that I appreciated was, and only because... I love this person that I'm about to mention is when she mentioned <laughs> when she mentions uh, Rodney Bingenheimer. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I appreciated that, too. Because yeah, uh-huh. I feel that he has paved the way for so yeah. many artists. The and ultimate fan. The ultimate fan. And yeah. uh, for those of us who grew up in L.A., Southern California, many of us, I myself, you know, I, I, I was a big fan of his show yeah. when he was on, on K-Rock. And yeah. 
Uh, everyone I did, liked him. Everyone liked him. And I discovered so many bands as a result of Rodney mm-hmm. Bingenheimer. He helped shape my musical taste. And so, I mean, he, he really helped shape my musical taste more than any one person. And so I, I was pleased about the fact that she mentions that he was the first person to, you know, he was a big supporter of them here in, in LA and he played their records and, and all of that. So I thought that was cool because, you know, even David Bowie, uh, when he was alive, had credited Rodney. With, oh, wow. Yes, with being... That's high praise. Wow. Yes, with being wow. one of the very few, uh, one of the first people to to play him uh, here in, in the States. And so, wow. yes, the Jews and Mary Chain are another band that he played first. I mean, he really wow. he really set the tone for a lot. You know, he really paved the way wow. for a lot of people. So like I was... I, I was and that was nice. That was nice that she mentioned him. But after that, I was like, oh, are you going to tell us a Rodney story now? And right. you know, there, there was no Rodney story. <laughs> she tells another... Um, you know, I, I, had I been her editor, you know what I would I would have said, Martha, since you asked me? Good question. Yes. I would have said, <laughs> you know what? You I would have said, your, your real story here is this period of time in New York. Yes. Um, and there was a very... I got to say, I had a... A, a response to the book as a result of some of the language that she uses. And I thought, God, I, I don't know if I would be responding this way if, if a man were to write the reverse. So I had a reaction to the way in which she describes, for instance, there's an encounter that's really disquieting where she goes to some I think it's her current boyfriend's house and she thinks they're about to have sex and oh. she's all turned on. And the way in which she, I, I, our listeners don't know this, Martha, that doesn't like crass language. She shuts down completely. So I can't quote it, <laughs> but, but the, it's very graphic, but also, uh, dis- uh, it's Joey Scash. It's, it's, he's, yeah. But yes. the way in which she writes about it, so flat and disconnected. And, but simultaneously graphic and crass. And yes. her reaction to the fact that her boyfriend, unbeknownst to her, as they're naked and about to fornicate, and she's, let's just say, excited and, and, and ready to go, he, unbeknownst to her, he's got brought in this filmmaker, and the, suddenly the lights go on, and he's filming the whole thing. And her reaction to that was odd. Um, it was bizarre to me. It was bizarre that she would tell the story and not fully kind of get into the story. It was for someone bizarre. who's so private, right. and you're telling just, exactly. This, and for someone who's so private, and you're sharing this, this but whole I, thing. And also, similarly, in terms of, I felt she was crass at times, and I wondered. Well, to be fair to her, I wondered how much of that is a genuine double standard. I don't know if you know we were to read about. <sighs> A man saying these things, I, I, I don't know that we have yet. I don't know we've read about a man describing genitalia so crassly as she has. There's a portion at the end where I thought, oh, wow, that's rich. She's uh, on the John Waters movie, and I guess they're trying to get some actor for the role. I forget whom, even though I did uh, re- read it almost twice just for today. And she casually just throws out, um, tell him I'll blow him if he does the movie. And it's like, ha-ha, what a laugh. But I tell you, Martha, if a man had said that, you want to know what would be happening to that man today? His career would be over. And he'd be sitting next to Harvey Weinstein and that whole row of men who are now being excoriated for 
any hint of that kind of behavior. But when she does it, it's so punk, Martha. It's so cool. It's so neat. And I thought, no, actually, it's just a big double standard. So I had a lot of, um, as I read it, just personal responses to, I wonder how, uh, it's certainly, well, to be honest, I, I felt like I wanted to be fair and go, how much of this is a double standard? How much of this is just ingrained into me? How much of this truly um, is just a, a social operating system that really is unfair to women? And, and I'm kind of unfairly using a, a, an unfair lens as I read the book. That was one feeling I had. But I did have the other, which was, this is just crass. And if a man said these things, it wouldn't be celebrated. It would be, oh, there's another horrible man who's just denigrating women and sees them only as an object. Anyway, well, that's, me, that's my for, soapbox. <laughs> for me personally, <laughs> if a man would have said the same thing, I would have found it equally crass. And so I found it the same way. I found it to be crass, the way that she describes a lot of those things. And like I said, if it would have been a man saying it, my opinion would have remained the same. You know, it, it would have found it just as, as bad. So I think a lot of the time people say things like that because they want to be shocking and they oh, want to. So shocking. And they want to. And it's like, we all know the words. We all know all of that. It's not shocking. Right. You know, it's, it's really not like we're all adults here. That is not. I've heard those words before. I've, I, you know, I've, I've read those words before. I've seen those words. It's not. You're not shocking me. It's just you trying to be punk, <laughs> you know? And, and so when, when that particular scene, when I read that, I thought to myself, you need to stop. You know, it's not necessary to go into... And I think a lot of the time people somehow feel, both men and women, when they use that type of language, somehow they feel that they're just, yeah, I'm going to tell it like it is and yeah. this sort of thing. And <laughs> it's like, it's not cool. Like, it, it's, it's not... Done. It's, it's like, again, you're not shocking anyone, you know, yeah, like it's just it, crass. It is. It's crass. And, and there's, and you know, it, it's, it's unnecessary. And I feel that sometimes those using descriptors like that and, and that kind of thing is, it has the opposite effect because people, because people know why you're employing that language. People yeah, know why you're doing it. And it's not anything, you know, I mean, okay. And again, but, for me, it was just sort of, for someone who's so private, right? <laughs> why are you sharing something like that? I would have just mm -hmm. kept sharing the rest of the nonsense that you shared throughout the rest of the book, because that's not telling me anything. Why do you need to tell me this? If, I mean, you tell me, what? tell me what, tell me why you broke up with Chris Stein. That's what I want to know Yeah, to be told things in such a way where it's supposed to shock us. And we're supposed to be like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just read that. It's like, come on. Right. Wow. I'm blushing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it, it, it takes is. a lot. It takes <laughs> a lot more than reading things like that for I imagine most adults to blush, you know, I mean, seriously, come on. But she does that again. Uh, and again, for somebody who's just, these are the anecdotes she chooses to tell. So she's making the movie Videodrome. Actually, I did make me want to see the movie. I've never seen it. I love James Woods. think he's a great actor. And she's telling an anecdote. There's a scene in the movie where Max grows a big slit in his stomach that sucks things into itself. At one point, even Max's uh. own fist gets ingested. After a long day wearing the slit, 
James Woods cranked out on us. He complained, I am not an actor anymore. I'm just the bearer of the slit. To which I replied, now you know how it feels. And you can just see her congratulating herself. Yes. You can feel it so palpably. Look what I said, everybody. Yes. And there's nothing worse than a person who 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 tells a joke and then says, hey, hey, did you hear what I said? So he yes. said this. And then I said that. And it was really funny because he said that. And then what I said was this. And it yes. was so shocking. <laughs> yes. And it was, I felt embarrassed for this person. That is exactly the way that I read it, Christian. When yeah. I read that, that is exactly the way I read it. Like, we're supposed to high fiber. Like, oh, you go. You are so cool for uh, having yeah, said that. Oh, my God. And it's like, Stop! Just stop already. I mean, there was a lot of that throughout the book. Okay, I got, I got one more. Okay, this one, (laughs) this one stopped me. All right, routines. Okay, I guess we could start with anything. She's talking about routines. Oh yes, that random routines chapter. (laughs) Love it, love it. You gotta love it. I gotta memorize this and just like perform it as a monologue. You know, some art house theater. People go, well, that's so crazy what you're reading. What is it? Oh, she's dead. He hair is boring. Coffee table. Okay, ready? Okay, here's her routine, everybody. She's crazy. I, okay, here we go. I guess we could start with anything. Okay, morning coffee. I would prefer to have my morning coffee in hand before letting out the dogs. But piss rules. I mean, I, I'm sorry, Martha. That's That was the definitive three-word phrase of the whole tome. <laughs> but piss rules it's not funny it's just poorly written it's not shocking <laughs> it's just crass and it's so palpably a person's <laughs> attempt to be those things to be shocking yes, yes. i know exactly how much that first morning piss means i know so i get those dogs out I there pretty not. damn quick here we go then the coffee french press french roast and espresso combo half decaf half regular why cut it with decaf i'm not a slammer I want the buzz, but slow release if you don't mind. It's awful. I'm sorry. I actually think she just quit, gave the job to an intern at the editing house. And the, and the intern was like, I wonder if anyone's going to read this. <laughs> right? he just or are they just going to buy for the pictures? Yeah. Right. He's like, yeah, okay, I don't know. Let's talk about flavors and thumbs. Yeah, there we go. No one's going to read this. Who's going to read a book by Debbie Harry? <laughs> We Face did. We, we did. did. We did that. That's how much we love our listeners. We did this for you. That's we right. read it. We went to this diner, to this place called <laughs> Debbie Harry. I mean, she's she's. Oh, and by the way, talking about double standards again and like a disjointed narrative we get. She she was originally. <laughs> In a band before Blondie, I forget the name. It had a very like the Aquarius collective. Oh, you know. the hippie one. It right. sounded like and a so, hippie band or something. Right. She tells us she quits because she doesn't like. She realizes she's just like a decorative ornament for the band, like a decorative eye candy piece. Right. Uh, but then the first thing she does is she goes applies for a job as a Playboy bunny. And by the way, do what you want, but you know, pick a lane, okay? And I don't know, again, she, I don't want to be decorative eye candy, but okay, your first image, you're just, you're wearing a t-shirt and you're, top, you're topless and it's transparent. So I kept getting inconsistent sort of position from this person, you know, that I could, it, it just never seemed authentic to me. 
I'm not sure what it was. And even her title, which she thought was just a radical, face it. Because as she says, that's what I'm doing. I realized yes. in this memoir. That she's facing it. Face yeah. it. Right. <laughs> what do you, you got to face? I don't know. The radical fact, oh my God, you smoke cigarettes. That was, to me, was the more interesting thing in the book. I didn't know you smoked so many cigarettes. In this day and age, that's actually kind of like, oh, all right, well, you're committed to cancer. That's all right. That's still kind of punk rock. <laughs> it, was all, you know? it was all just, it, it, yeah, it, none of that was of interest to me. Do you want to know me. what was interesting? Actually, I thought was revealing. <laughs> she tells a story that was, I would not have told because of the embarrassment factor. Okay. She tells Which one? Story. There were so many. No, no, no. Some, she, some were, you know, inadvertently embarrassing. Some were just, you know. She says, and it's, it's, it's a boring story. It's the kind that would happen to anybody. It's probably somebody, certainly over the age of 40. She walks face first into a glass. Oh, yes. You know, and so she doesn't realize. A it's shop a, in London. Right. She doesn't realize that it's it's a glass wall. She just walks mash head first into it and actually causes some sort of permanent uh, or long lasting yeah. damage to her face and her back. And too, to, to me, that was actually kind of finding mildly like, oh, that's embarrassing. Um, and I guess I'll make this quick. My dad did that. I watched him do it. He did. He was waving to me as he was walking towards me. I could see it was a glass window. He could not. And I watched him get closer and closer. I'm oh. frantically waving. Like, no, 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 no. And before I could, no, bam, he walks right into oh. it. And I, it didn't even happen to me. And I was mortified. I was mortified. Just to be in the car and knowing the person who had done that, I was mortified. So the fact that she told that story, which is so mildly relatable unlike all the rest of her stories because i can't relate to so much of her life it's just it truly is unique you know i mean you can't take that away from her it's really a a a a, a, a rich fertile environment that she found herself in i mean i can't imagine a, a life that's constantly lived in in such a, a place an environment so randomly that she tells the story about just walking face first into a glass door seemed a little uh, like mortal, like a mortal person telling a story <laughs> about her life, you know, and that as a result seemed more punk than anything else she wanted me to, to think was punk. That's my takeaway. Well, the fact that she's always mentioning how punk everything she does was, is what everything just, was just such a yeah. turn off. I mean, like you said, oh. you, don't, you don't have to say if you, when you are something, you don't have to constantly repeat it. And so mm -hmm. the fact that she's constantly talking about how punk she is, how beautiful she is, how punk she is, how it's, it just got right. tiring after a while. And, and it wasn't, there was nothing that truly, I don't know her, her story. Like I said, I mean, I think that she grew up or she was part of a very interesting time in New York. And if she would have shared more of those experiences with us, um, even with CBGB, you know, she doesn't really, she tells you a little bit about right. about it, but she doesn't share a whole lot about right. who was there, who were you running into, what was happening. I mean, that was just sort of yeah. like a mecca of of interesting music and interesting people and what right. was happening during that time. And she she doesn't really she kind of glazes over it a little bit too. And yeah, there was just never anything that made me 
fully gravitate to the book. It was, I was counting pages, Christian, as I was reading wow. this. For me, yeah. that's awful when I'm reading a book. If I'm like yeah. counting pages, see how much more I need before I finish. Right. And I was doing that with this book because I thought, gosh, I don't, I can't read another one of these quote unquote punk stories. I just can't. Yeah. And you know, the thing that also just cracked me up when she talks about how when she was three months old and she could already met, she already started developing memories from that time. Oh, oh my God. No, and I thought to no. myself, stop. Abort. Abort. Stop. <laughs> I thought, stop. The earliest, Abort. I mean, oh my God. I Ego. Yeah, stop. That's, I can't believe that that's true. I mean, maybe that happens to some people. It how didn't... did Andy Warhol find this person so fascinating? Honestly, maybe, I think maybe the joke's on her. And he's like, you're empty, honey. And that's why you're such a perfect candidate for my art. I think he probably, like other people that he was obsessed with, I think he probably found her to be extremely beautiful. Mm. And, you know, he likes surrounding himself with right. with beautiful people. Mm. That's no secret. Every Well, yes, who doesn't, you know? But that it, that's not a secret, you know, about Andy. Mm -hmm. And he liked his superstars and he liked these beautiful people around him. And so that's, again, that's not a secret. So I, I, I believe, I'm sure that that was part of it too. Uh, I mean, she does say that he did like their their music. But you know what? You know what I thought about that too? I'm, I'm glad you bring, bring this up uh, about, you know, like all of this because... It, Honestly, I think he was probably more fascinated by Chris Stein, and they came together. Oh, right. So, so maybe uh, it, so she, he had to befriend Yoko to get to John. You know, maybe, maybe <laughs> you know what I mean. Maybe that right. was it. I mean, who knows? Who knows what their right. relationship was like? You know, she speaks of him very fondly. <laughs> she does speak of him very yeah. fondly of Andy. So they probably, I, I don't doubt that they had a nice right. friendship. Uh, but maybe that's what it was. You know, I mean, it sounds like, like you said. I mean, Chris sounds. So interesting. And it sounds like yeah. he was not only sort of the brains behind the band, but he was the, you know, he was the Johnny of Blondie, it oh, sounds yeah. like, oh, too. Yeah. You know, uh, but I mean, that that's also, I mean, she did play her role in, in that band, obviously. She did. And she wrote music as well. And did all she? Those I don't she, think she did. Well, I, ch ch I challenge you. Well, she I challenge said, our listeners. She says, she says that she did. There's no, no reason to. No, no, no. She says she, she wrote the songs. And I think she, oh, what right. she thinks the that songs. means is she probably came into some lyrics. And by the way, if you, she treats us to one of her poems in the book. And uh, uh, it's, I let's can't. just say it's not a highlight. I in fact, I groaned out loud at the excruciating pain in which I read the sentence. And so I wrote this poem as a result of 9-11. Can I tell and you I something, just, Christian? I, I hope you didn't read a single word because I didn't. I just skipped it and moved on to the next drawing. Okay, well, face. I have a bone to pick with you because we had agreed that we would never skip anything. And I oh, and I you did. And I stuck to that. And I read that dumb poem. And I thought to myself, That's the most punk rock thing we've heard so far. Is that Martha read that horrible poem? Well, listen to me. And I thought to myself, I'm going to talk to Christian about this little policy of ours. That we have to do everything. New rules. New rules. Because I am not putting myself through this ever again. I am not going to read another one of these 
ridiculous uh, poems crazy. ever again. And I thought to myself, I, I just could not. And I thought, again. I'm now so glad she wrote it just because you read it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was Tell just us. like. I feel like you should read it out loud for I am not going now. to read it out loud because that would mean, it was. Because that, that, that would mean you've read it twice. No, That's what it I'm mean. not doing that. It was excruciating it was painful i had to get up and like walk around after reading it it was awful but but oh my gosh that poem was just oh my god so i immediately could understand i'm like chris stein how did you last for 13 years can you imagine waking up to that woman saying i've written another poem well you know what's interesting she she actually said that at one point do you remember that at one point she talks about how she was always like in these her moods were so bad and and that was the only authentic sentence of the whole book and she says i don't know how chris how he put up with those moods how he put up with those chris sounds she makes him out to sound like a lovely person. He does. He seems like a saint. Quite and, uh, yeah. you know, she talks about how she doesn't know he put up with all that, but that he would always make her laugh even when he, she was in these awful mood swings. Oh, and, Can you imagine the work involved? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my I mean, they did, you know, but I, I can't help but think that what led to their breakup was also, I'm sure, their drug use. I mean, they were both big time heroin addicts and. Yeah. Which I didn't know about. I I never knew that. Um, yeah, I didn't know that either. So I'm sure that there was a lot there, you know, that 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 played a role in in their breakup. I mean, and how can you work and be, you know, you were together for so long, and they were and all the stress of the band, and you add on top of that whatever stress they might have had in their relationship, because clearly they did. I mean, there was so much that they were going through and doing and whatnot. So you just we just have to guess because she never tells us. <laughs> nope, she does not. She doesn't tell us anything. In fact, you first learn of these mood swings even after she tells us that they've broken up. Right. At no right. point does she explain, by the way, there's tension in my relationship. I was, I, in hindsight, realized I was acting this way. I said these things. I can't. Nope. None of that. Not, a, not an ounce. Just a, uh, the book is like an outline of a memoir that we never really get well to read. And, and the reason that we even find out about their breakup is because she talks about that they had broken up that the day that andy died andy warhol right. did that he died yep. it was such a horrible day because yep. earlier in the day right they had broken up and, and so he that had left her yes yeah and so that that's sort of that's that's why we even got that part of the story yeah. and i think otherwise it would have just been left to our imagination because obviously we you all know, know that they broke up I'm making it up as I go along, but he, Chris Stein and his new wife then move all together from Manhattan. Yes. And I, as we're talking about, it, I can't, I can't help but think it was just to put more and more distance between. Can you imagine that new wife having to deal with this? No. I know. No. No. I gotta, I gotta say one thing about she. She doesn't ever throughout the book. She never complains. She doesn't come really complain about people. She no, doesn't she doesn't say negative things. No, she really she does only say super genuine loving things about this guy um and i'm sure as a human she was tempted to say well he did do these things he's not but she doesn't she really says he was just an amazing person you and know, I, I i was struck by that i've never i was had too. the matu- maturity as mature people say to to have that kind of uh, uh you know reaction to a, a 
a relationship of meaning that's over. And normally they end because, you know, something's gone awry. But um, anyway, she just never once says a single bad thing about Chris Stein, whose book all of you should probably read. <laughs> I think we should add that one to our... <laughs> yeah. No, but she, but she doesn't. And you know, the impression that, that I took after finishing the book, and I could be totally wrong, but a part of me feels that she might still be in love with him. Oh, yeah. Well, I think she is. I mean, I don't think she would just... Dis... I did actually come away thinking... This seemed like a, 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 I don't know how to put it, do, new or different kind of relationship that seemed to transcend the ending of the uh, two-dimensional traditional relationship that I think most people think of. Like, yeah. The relationship, you know what I mean, ends normally, and well, that's it, and maybe we'll vaguely stay in touch, but, you know... If there's that much love involved, and equally there's that much pain on the back end, which means, you know, the, the two individuals can't quite come together very often anymore. Right. But they seem to have a, a kind of relationship that was more dimensional, for lack of a better word. Yes. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to say more mature or more evolved. Certainly not that. But I, I did. My hat was off a, a, a lot to the concept of such a thing. Um, I'd never quite read about one that seemed so genuinely real. But again, this is just her her perspective. Who knows? Chris Dunn's probably an upstate New Yorker. And I can't get away from this woman <laughs> fast enough. But you, you know, know, I don't I don't get that impression because I don't right. I don't think that he would have wanted to have continued working with her on her solo right. projects and things. Right. So I think that their relationship maybe transcends the romantic aspect. And you know, they could very well be soulmates you know people can Maybe. be soulmates and not be necessarily in a romantic relationship and i think that in this case with them that that could just be it i mean they just truly genuinely yeah. love one another and she went to his wedding yeah uh, she didn't go to his wedding she didn't did i misread that yes what happened i was thought that, i did no they 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 got married in vegas and she was hurt at the fact that no one was invited especially her uh, she thought i, I that, mean i remember they got married in vegas yes. but i thought that she was there no she she said maybe. that she would have uh that they didn't invite anyone but that she would have expected to at least have been invited and when she wasn't oh, right. she was a little hurt by that oh oh no but then she does say she she says well i can sympathize however that maybe yes the wife wouldn't have wanted me right. yes that, yes yes I remember that. and yeah. then and then she does she goes on to say you know that they that they have gotten to know one another and it seems like they have a a nice friendly relationship both she and his wife yeah she is the godmother to his two daughters so that's so crazy to me i know how does how did do, i don't I'm uh, un just, I guess, a thick simpleton. I don't understand how two people who've had an intense relationship like that. And quite frankly, once it's gone sexual, you know, you've just unleashed new things over which you can't control. You can't right. put it back in the box. Right. So once it's all ended, I mean, it's so painful to be around somebody for whom you had those feelings. How do you just carry on? Like, well, we can still be in the band, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I, you know, like no doubt, everybody knows that Gwen Stefani and the bass player had a super long relationship. Right. He broke her heart and they split up and she wrote the lyrics to don't speak about that and all that stuff. And But I was mostly amazed. But how do you still see one another and play in a band? So, again, we this is what happens in Blondie. And I don't know if I, I think mostly I admire that. I think maybe these are people who see. I do, too, because a, I couldn't a, do it. <laughs> I, I don't, I couldn't well, do it. 
I'm, I'm having less and less feelings of human emotion as I get older, Martha. So I'm starting to understand how that's possible. I, perhaps it's just, yeah, what the hell? It's just another relationship. Oh, my you know? goodness. I, I couldn't. <laughs> so I admire that. I admire that. Yeah. I do admire that. Yeah, I did too. I did. So by that token, I came away again. Talk about the tip of the iceberg that she gives you. She only, I mean, she gives you just an ice cube from which to extrapolate whatever really happened there, right? But um, I came away feeling like, like Chris Tyne is as fully formed, and I hate to use the phrase, but I've seen it on Bubble many times, um, emotionally intelligent individual with this really three-dimensional functioning life with his wife and his kids, and he's in New York, and he's creative, and he's got this... I, again, I don't know if any of that's accurate, but I, get, I came away from that with that impression. And I simultaneously came away thinking that she seemed very lonely. Just, uh, I'm just Debbie Harry, the celebrity now. I live in my celebrity skin. You know, I work at the Debbie Harry store. I'm the manager of the Debbie Harry store. That's what I do. You know, I franchise myself out, I, you know, to other people who want to open Debbie Harry stores. Uh, I got the, did I tell you I have this fan art? <laughs> right. Got, you know what? You know? Though? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you know what though? I didn't get the. I didn't get that impression. I. Hmm. I came. I don't away, know. No, I came away with it. Uh, I honestly didn't. But okay. I see what you're saying. I can understand what you're saying. But I didn't. I didn't walk away after reading this book thinking, "Oh, you know, I." Poor Debbie. Poor Debbie. No, hmm. I think she probably has a very fulfilled life it's just different from the traditional yeah. traditional life and i think that's also a misgiving you know it i is. think i think sometimes people think oh if someone's alone right or, you know they're they must be miserable or they and and and, and i'm not saying that's what you're what you're saying necessarily but i right. i didn't i didn't walk away with it i think that she is content you know that's how i that's, she, that's how she I could be feel. i don't know i'm sure we'll never find out because we won't when our, our review she'll, won't. maybe she'll do something punk rock and hate us or like stab us or something <laughs> and, and you know what as i were as, as i'm dying i'd say finally you did you've done something punk i respect you. that's what i'd say <laughs> finally i respect you you know and she'd probably make that story just as boring as all the rest of it. <laughs> that's the sad truth do you know what debbie should have done martha i'm figuring this out now what she did conclude the book by conveying it should have been, I think, her love letter to New York because she does conclude it by talking about how New York has changed. Yes. And, and I really do, you know, if you've been to Manhattan or know just how, if you've just been alive to life, you see that so many things like CBGB disappears, all these institutions and things, um, they surrender or get swallowed by the horrible beast that is gentrification. Yes. Right? But she really does, you get a sense of how much she loves New York and Manhattan, almost like at the Woody Allen level, at that kind of, I just love this town. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else despite the changes. And I think maybe if she had just taken a spotlight off of herself and told all the abundant New York stories, because those happened to be the most interesting ones of her life. You know, right. she was there for all for that scene. She really felt I really felt like um this was a mean streets Martin Scorsese character come to life from the late 70s. You know, it really she certainly walked down those those however New York smelled then, but you really get a sense it had an odor back then. Right. It was, da it was right. dangerous. The trash was everywhere. It really felt like uh, she lived the summer of Sam, 
Um, and had she just, I think, dug her teeth into that, maybe would have she would have had more success because even despite herself, she succeeds sometimes. Even uh, this creepy story she tells about being stalked and the stalker boyfriend she had and the number of times she casually oh, tells right, stories about right. almost being... Yeah, she's almost she's followed home and almost assaulted again by somebody who follows her to her New York apartment. And just the quantity of risks she took just to live in New York to, quote unquote, feel alive in that vicinity was is something. And that was, uh, I think, just a greatly missed opportunity. Hugely missed because no one I don't doubt that she was there. I mean, I was kind of surprised. I don't know if you were. She must have been such a presence of the scene to merit the fact that when CBGB closed, Blondie played the final night. Right. They were the closing band to close that club down. And that's, I thought, oh, wow, maybe this was a bigger band or, you know. Well, you're never lit ch- in on that, though. That's you're just not, it. You're, you're never not. lit in on any of that. And, no. and that's what I was saying earlier, how, you know, that was such a mecca of new music that was just especially at that time i mean that's just when it was coming alive with all these different bands and all of this sort of musical experimentation that was happening during that time and she sort of glazes over those stories or when she mentions it but yet you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right at the end she talks about how they were one of the closing acts for for it and and whatnot and you're thinking okay well then you were such a big deal but somehow that's not necessarily conveyed no as you retell your story, it's just Nuts. kind of left for us to figure it out. You know, as as much of the book, you're just sort of left to wonder and fill in the gaps of, well, I wonder why this happened. Well, maybe this happened. and But you're just never really given. Even, even the portion, lot. which I felt like was the greatest portion of her time in New York, she discusses that she was part of, I did not know this, I'm sure you didn't either, a cable access show called Crazy TV or... It just felt like, wow, that really feels like it was drenched in the kind of late 70s. I actually didn't know about that. And I, you did? I did. And the reason I, did not. I knew about that, and the reason I knew about that was because uh, Basquiat is one of my favorite artists. And so I've, you know, I've read a lot about him, and just I just, I just know quite a bit about him. And okay. I knew that he was in, in those... Uh, local access right. cable shows, and I knew that Debbie Harry uh, and and he were friends, and so I, I I knew that I I was I was aware of that. Okay, well, even that show, it that, that felt like it was. I hate to use the word. I'm going to you ready. Huh? It it felt authentic. Like certain, that show was gritty. Yes, real seventies. Yes. no one else is doing this. We really are just cliche uh, beat of our own drum. We're just doing something that. That seemed legitimately punk in the sense that oh, I don't know what anybody else is doing, but we're going kind of nuts here. Right. We're just going to do it. Right, right, right. But even the way in which it was told was sort of just, eh. Yeah, yeah it was the like thing a, we were doing. I, and... I get more I get more feeling from Wikipedia articles. Oh, like, God, here we go again. That's <laughs> true. That's uh, true. I, somebody at Wikipedia should have taken over and said, we will write your book for you. It will be filled with grit. And just like that. And punk with rock. that voice. With that I would have loved it. <laughs> I would have loved it. <laughs> I would have loved it. Oh, my gosh. We got to get you I your own Wikipedia page, uh, Christian. <laughs> I <laughs> that's, hope so. That's what we're going to do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I have many pictures that fans drew of my face. 
<laughs> I am beautiful. Did I tell you that I look good in pictures? That's why people took them. I have to say, this robot voice is really cool. I think they can do you the like it. Yeah, sure. It's more interesting than Debbie Harry's book. You really sound like a robot. Let's thumbs are interesting. Thumbs have multiple purposes. Oh my gosh. Thumbs I... up, thumbs down. Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel made a career out of thumbs. <laughs> that would be a great entry for their, their Wikipedia page. <laughs> I don't know why Chris Stein left me. <laughs> it is a surprise to this day. <laughs> so, I like Will Wrestling. Have I ever told you? <laughs> Honestly, I hope her entire next album is in that voice. <laughs> Here's another song based on a poem I wrote. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you have to do the voice, Christian. You have to do the robot voice. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Not a problem. Oh, oh my goodness. This... I have written many poems. <laughs> I was playing up the idea of being a very feminine woman while fronting a male rock band in a highly macho game. <laughs> I think we've given more depth to this book. And it deserves. I Debbie Harry's like, wow, I didn't know it. It's awesome. <laughs> She's thinking, wow, did I really Ooh, say yeah. all those things? Oh, my wow. goodness. God, I hope they draw me. I totally keep the picture. Oh my gosh! You know what? I've started. I, I, I started. I, I've taken up painting again. I should. I should paint a picture of her. I should totally paint something and send it to her for the sequel. For the sequel of this. Oh please! I'll use, face it again. I'll use my oils and no, just do she's it. She's gonna call this one like FaceTime. Irrelevant. So, so are we are we done with Debbie's book? Are we done with Debbie? Yes, that's what it's we, like. We we faced it. We faced we this did. book head on. <laughs> we looked Debbie Harry in the face for three hundred and twenty four pages um, of, of of my eyesight fluff. that I will never get back. Yeah, we looked her in the eye and we gazed into the abyss. And let me tell Boy, you, did it, we. It, the abyss gazes also. <laughs> Oof, and it's in love with itself. Okay. Yes. All right. Oh, you know one thing before one thing before we we end is that Johnny Marr uh, wrote a song for for Blondie. Oh yeah. Oh, hey, no. Okay. Since you brought that up, I was most excited when I when she mentioned like, oh, Duran Duran. Hi, John Taylor. Like, I felt like he was waving to me from her. You know, within the book, he was waving to me from his book. I was like, oh, there's John. And as you just said, there's Johnny Marr. And yeah. actually, I thought, God, Johnny, is there anybody you won't? <laughs> <sighs> Good Lord, dude. You know, we got a Johnny Marr would write our, our theme song if we asked him to. That's what oh, I've come to conclude. Maybe he would. Maybe he doesn't say no. You just, we'll get him and Phil Collins together. They'll just <laughs> produce an amazing piece of music for us. Well, we already have an amazing piece of music. We do. We do. Well, on that note, it's been another journey. Whew, we are that committed. We did it. We did uh, it. Yeah, we went to the deep um, recesses. Oh of my goodness! Debbie Harry's Barbie doll mind. I can say that because she authorized a Barbie doll of herself. She did. Mm -hmm. um, this week's um, show was produced, written, curated, uh, culled, dissected. It was prepped by Martha, myself, 
However, if uh, it sounds good at all to you, that's not because of me, it's because of Martha and your super awesome husband, Nick, from Deep Signal Productions. Studios. Um, studios. <laughs> it's, it's sort of fun to get it wrong every time. <laughs> I was proud to get Deep Signal. Yeah. Studios is next. Awesome. Yeah, we're, 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 getting, we're, we're getting, getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. I'm a work in progress. I appreciate you sticking with me, Martha. <laughs> um, all the rest, yeah, you can blame Martha and me for the rest. Goodbye. Thank you for listening, everyone. Till next time.